Calvillo is a contender, and Vittori won't beat Style Bender. With the fight selections and the fight reflections, this is fighting with myself. Oh oh oh, fighting with myself. Oh oh oh, yeah. Fuck Marvin Vittori. That's the energy we're starting this show with. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Fighting with Myself podcast, a podcast for the above-average MMA fan, hosted by an above-average man. And I am that man. My name is Juice. we got a lot to cover, so I'm just going to dive right into it. We had some crazy fights last night. The whole week, everyone on this car, everyone on Twitter was like, oh, this card ain't shit. Where's the names? This is going to be boring. I might have these on in the background. And honestly, I was like, okay. We don't know how they're going to be until they exist. They come to fruition. Like, I learned a long time ago not to judge a card until it actually happens. You know, that happened to me with UFC 206. Shit was not that good on paper. But you know what? Every single fight delivered. So when I was looking at these fights, even though I was like, eh, maybe not the best names, maybe not the, the best stylistic matchups even, you know, as far as that goes, but you never know how it's going to play out. And boy, were these fights amazing. We start off tonight with three fucking KOs. Christian Aguilera, I keep wanting to say Christina Aguilera, because it's literally like two letters away. You just switch the A and the N and it's fucking Christina Aguilera. But Christian Aguilera, no disrespect, uh, beat Anthony Ivey in 59 seconds by KO. Shit was amazing. Um, Tyson Nam, let me tell you something. Whenever I see a kickboxer transition MMA, I always want them to get sparked out, dude. I feel like they come in, like they come in there being like, a stand-up is on a new level. These guys don't know what real kickboxing is. And I always want them to fucking taste the canvas. And Tyson Nam oblige me oh my god it was great Tyson Nam came in with that fucking fuckboy haircut and uh his uh cute girlfriend that Ashley the MMA nerd found <laughs> and he fucking flatlined that dude 32 seconds into the first round shit was clean as fuck um that was a true KO the first one might have been a TKO honestly I, I don't like to differentiate because it's still a stoppage you know due to strikes um and uh you know that was that was amazing he just fucking right out on the feet um great win for tyson nam and um you know tyson nam he's been around a long time before the flyweight division even existed and so i'm just happy that he's getting his shot in the ufc and he's he's doing you know tyson nam things um speaking of doing things of your namesake i don't even know if that's fucking a good segue julia raging pander avila fucking beat the brakes off of Gina Mazzani, set a uh, a record, and by record, I don't mean like it's first, but it's in like, I think the top five finishes, uh, top five fastest finishes in UFC women's Bantamweight history. Ronda Rousey has like three of them. Um, hers might be the fastest in a non-title fight. I'm not sure. Uh, if not, it's the second fastest. But goddamn, she blew Gina Mazzani out of the water. And I like Gina Mazzani because she's dating Tim Elliott. And uh, she was on the Ultimate Fighter 18. Much respect to Gina Mazzani. But dude, ever since I fucking um, started following Julia Avila on Instagram, I've been I've been super fan. She is amazing. She's just such a great personality. She's funny as fuck. And when she made her UFC debut, um, she 
shouted out her, I think like yoga instructor or something that was battling cancer. And you guys know that fucking hits me in the feels whenever someone talks about cancer. I'm like, that's the shit I do like. So I love, I, I'm a big fan of, of Julia Avila. And when she was on the fucking post-fight interview with Paul Feather, she was like, hey, yo, poppy. I was like, <gasps> I swooned. I fucking, I don't give a fuck. Julia Avila, bae. She's bae. That's it. And if you don't think that's something to be used, it's an acronym for before anyone else. So I can't think of another Bantamweight right now that I like more than Julia Avila. So you know what? She's bae. She's bae. And that's it. Marab did Marab things to Gustavo Lopez, um, and he should have, to be honest. Um, I thought uh, he was going to get the better of Ray Borg, and, and I'm glad that he, um, you know, gave shouts to him uh, um, in his post-fight interview. By the way, if you guys didn't read um, Fernando Prachis's, um pre-fight uh, preview or, or, or whatever it's called, um, fight night preview, whatever, she does them on The Athletic. It's fucking great every time. And uh, she said Marab's interviews are absolutely delightful. And, uh, I always liked him, but I never like used that verbiage. And then as I was watching his interview, I was like, damn right. This is fucking delightful. Like he was like, God bless his family. God bless to him. God bless his son and God bless me or whatever. Like, it was just so funny. I was like, yay, Marab, dude. I love Marab. He fucking listed off the entire Sarah Longo team. He's like, respect to Aljamain Sterling, Chris Weidman, Yum Vilante. Uh, like and listed everybody like his whole training partners i was like like chris wyman and javalata are 205ers i'm pretty sure they're not he's not like getting rounds in with them as a bantamweight but that was just it was so great to i love when the teammates shout at each other like that so big fan of marab uh as i was saying he was supposed to do that to gustavo lobo as a guy coming on short notice uh like that uh, you better do that to him and uh you know kudos to him gustavo had him uh in the guillotine a few times i think uh, but Marab was like, I don't give a fuck. I'll carwheel out of that bullshit. I'm Marab Dualish Wheelie. I was uh, I was thinking about when I was reading um, Fernandez's piece. Um, I watched Marab uh, fight at uh, UFC Atlantic City. He fought Ricky Simone, beat the brakes off Ricky Simone from basically bell like bell to bell each each round until the last. 30 seconds to the round, he shoots for a takedown, and Ricky gets a guillotine. As Marab finished the takedown, he KO'd himself on the mat by slamming himself into the fucking mat with that takedown. And then Ricky Simone was able to reverse it and get a mounted guillotine, which like woke him up. And Marab starts to like kick his legs out, and fucking the ref, the bell rang for the last round, and then he waved it off. Like, not just ending the round. Like, he, he was like, oh, I'm waving this up. This is a fucking... I'm calling this a TKO by submission is what they call it because New Jersey Commission has some weird-ass fucking rules. And Mark Goddard was there, um, cage side, and uh, refs are allowed to do this thing called polling where they get, like, input from other refs. And Mark Goddard was like, he was out! He was out! Fucking Mark Goddard sometimes, you know? But uh, anyways, love Marab. Love whenever Marab wins because, again, we get those delightful post-fight interviews with the um, black papaka... Some some guy on Twitter that's really funny. I think his name is Eric Sama. Was like the black Khabib hat. Uh, that guy's really funny. He quotes me all the time, and I'm like, like he's the only one I don't get mad at it because they're always so funny. Um, but shouts to Marab, shouts to Eric Sama, and you know what? I'm a big Hannah Cyrus fan. By that I mean, I I I think she's just so fucking adorable, 
and uh, I want all the post-fight interviews from her, and we can only get those when she wins. So I always want her to win. And uh, everyone was like jizzing themselves over Maria Agapova. They were like, oh my God, she's the next coming of Christ. She's a JJ 2.0. I don't have any counter arguments to that. Like I can't say that that's not true, but I was sad for Anna Cyphers. You know what I mean? I was real sad. I was disappointed in everyone for not praying for her um, because otherwise she would have won. So you guys really disappointed me. But uh, Maria Agapova was legit as fuck, and uh, she had that Feely tape over her gauges, which I thought was great. By that, I mean Feely also has to tape up his gauges. And at first I was like, what the fuck is she wearing? And then I realized, oh, duh, it's gauges. But Maria Agapova, great. She has a great, like, chest tattoo, I think, of, like, a wolf. That was, I was kind of, like, not mesmerized by, but that, that kind of took my focus for a little bit. I was trying to figure out that tattoo, and then in the post interview, I was like, oh, it's a wolf. But uh, she basically beats Hannah Cyphers everywhere. It was a it was a round one submission by Rune Choke. She, at one point, like, dropped her with a head kick, which was fucking nasty. Like, caught her, like, shin to chin, right on the fucking jaw. Hannah Cyphers bounced right up. Like, Hannah Cyphers tough as hell. And she got that farm girl toughness, you know what I'm saying? And... All, like Maria Agapova is like known for her striking. Apparently, I think she's like a Muay Thai champion or kickboxing champion. I'm not sure which. But um, uh, and then at one point, Hannah Cyphers turns away, and Maria just jumps on her back like a fucking spider monkey and gets the rear naked choke. I was like, not expecting that at all, dude. So surprising. So yeah, for for all those reasons, you know, everyone is is right to be like really high on Maria Agapova. But uh, you guys know me. I'm I'm biased and I'm a little salty, so I'm uh, I'm gonna wait to jump on this hype train. I'm still gonna uh, probably uh, to pump her up in terms of her skills because uh, she's very skillful. But uh, I'm gonna wait to jump on this hype train because she uh, she hurt my baby. You know what I'm saying? Um, moving on to Jordan Espinosa versus Mark De La Rosa. Uh, you know what? Like, I like Montana De La Rosa, so by proxy, I'm supposed to like her husband. But whatever he fights, I'm so ready for disappointment. I'm like, Mark, I, I don't know how you can win this fight. He's a BJJ black belt that doesn't, in, in my opinion, like doesn't have enough wrestling to like really make that happen. Or at least he was, maybe Jordan Espinosa has a good wrestling pedigree because he wasn't able to get the fight to the floor. He was holding onto a single leg for like a fucking minute. And Jordan Espinosa was ripping those Josh Barnett elbows or the Travis Brown elbows when he fought Josh Barnett. He was just like ripping those fucking elbows. And I was like, damn, dude, at some point, abandon it. Uh, but he didn't listen to me, so he lost. I mean, that happens all the time when, when uh, you know, fighters lose. just because they don't listen to me. You know, that's pretty much how it goes. Uh, pretty dominant win for Jordan Espinosa there. Although it doesn't do much for his, uh, you know, ranking because he's ranked and Mark Delarosa was not. Although I believe he was coming off a loss, so at least he protected his uh, standing in the division. And uh, moving on to Andre Feely versus uh, Charles, Charles Jourdain. It's a French-Canadian. But uh, Andre Feely, man, this is like... Uh, this is a fight that everyone was like, oh, the only fight I'm interested in is in this one, or this is going to be amazing. To me, it was it was probably, I thought, going to win fight of the night. And it ended up being more technical than I thought, which was actually great. And it ben- I think it benefited Feely. Even though he tends to thrive in the brawls, uh, I think he found uh, some success. Uh, his boxing was really crisp tonight, I thought. Or last night. You know what I mean? This fight that we're talking about. Anyways, it was good. Um, and I got to be honest, like, I picked Feely, and I was, like, super confident in it. 
I was like, I don't think Charles Jordan is going to have anything to offer him. And then as they was walking to the cage, I remembered um, Charles's last fight. He got that sweet knockout. And I was like, I'm worried. I'm super worried. Uh, but then um, Andre Feely did Andre Feely things. And that is the theme of this episode. I just keep saying X-Fighter did X-Fighter things. But, you know, Andre Feely was losing the first round. And then at the end, I don't know if it was a takedown or a, or a sweep or something. He 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 got him a little bit, slammed him, and then uh, had some nice ground and pound there. Which, if he had like maybe twenty more seconds to work, I think he could have got a stoppage there. Um, which is another reason why I hate the round system in MMA and and the ten point must system in particular. Although that didn't really affect it, but uh, easily won the first, the 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 second and third rounds. Like I saw some assholes on Twitter, they were like, "Oh, Jordan twenty nine twenty eight. and I'm like, "Hey man, stop doing drugs." Weed is not a drug, by the way, so that doesn't count. But, dude, fake profiles with fucking fake judging. Anyway, dude, uh, that's not directed at anyone who listens to this, by the way. So if you have a fake profile, no, I'm just kidding. But if you, if you had it for uh, Charles Jordan, I'm not, like, coming at you or anything. But a great one for Andre Feely. Never really a big fan of his post-fight interviews, uh, especially, like, in the cage. Um, he started doing, like, I think they mentioned he's from the Bay Area. And he started doing like fucking, he started getting hyphy and stuff like that. I was like, stop it. You look ridiculous. He looks so ridiculous. Um, but uh, Charles Rosa versus Kevin Aguilar. Great fight. Um, definitely, if I, if I had to pick a fight that was like not rewatchable out of all these, it probably would be this one. Um, just because like Charles Rosa has some weird stand up, I feel. And I got to be honest with you, this is no disrespect to anyone from Boston, but like Boston Strong isn't a nickname. Like that's a slogan. Like there's a gym here in Jersey that used to be called WOW, which stood for World of Workout or something like that. And now they call it Jersey Strong. And I'm like, hey man, that's a slogan. That's not a name. And this is what I feel about fucking Charles Rosa. It's like, you can be Boston Strong. You are Boston Strong. Shouts to Boston. We got a fucking new nickname, huh? We got a fucking new nickname, huh? Anyways, moving on to the worst fight of the night, which was to say that the result I was the least happy about. I started the uh, episode by saying, not a fan of Marvin Vittori. And you know what? There's a lot of people that were mad at Carl Robinson for missing weight. Because people on MMA Twitter love to shame people for missing weight. And I get it. If, uh, if someone has an egregious weight miss, I usually go after them. Uh, because I feel like it's cheating. But I also, I struggle with this, and I and I, I feel like it teeters on hypocrisy because I would like to see weight cutting largely eliminated or, like, go to a system similar to one championship where they weigh, like, their next weight class up and do hydration tests. Like, Carl Robeson was supposed to fight Marvin Vittori, what, two weeks ago? Maybe three? And, um... It was, I think it was on the Wal Harris card because I saw it on Wal Harris' uh, Snapchat or TikTok or whatever the fuck that the UFC was like posting that lobby bullshit. By the way, they were hyping that up like it was like the most heated rivalry in UFC history. I was like, stop. But um, Carl Roberson was deemed medically unfit. Like that, it, he missed weight by like a couple pounds, but then he was deemed medically unfit, which means he was trying his ass off to make that weight. This I'm talking about two weeks ago or, or three or whatever it was. He was trying to make the weight. And then Marvin Vittori, 
who's in his feelings, so in his feelings, started going after him, started calling him names. I'm pretty sure he, he threw out the F slur. And I was like, bro, you're canceled. I already think Marvin Vittori is like so whiny and so talks about that uh, Israel Adesanya split decision loss like it's a fucking trophy. Get out of here, Marvin Vittori. And there are plenty of people celebrating Carl Robinson's demise because he missed weight, and that's fine. But, dude, I will not do it on the back of Marvin Vittori's win. Like, that is a fucking joke. Good performance, but Marvin Vittori's a joke. So I can't take anything he does seriously. And I watched his um, his post-life press conference interview uh, where he kind of explained more of his feelings. And I, and I was like, yeah, I get it, but uh, I'm still not going to fucking forgive you for being a little bitch in the lobby. And that's uh, that's how I operate. Now, the main event, and I got to say, you know, I talked about people saying this was a shitty card, and, and, and there was a few people who said, like, no, it's really just the main event, and I kind of agree with that. I mean, like, this, as a fight, like, if this was on even the main card, like, first fight on the main card, I'd be like, okay, it's not a bad fight. It was just so weird that it was headlining, and... um once the once the fight was over and I started digesting everything, I sort of remember that Cynthia Calvillo started her career as a as a flyweight, and I I kept wanting her to go, but then she was hanging on to that strawweight um, division because basically basically she was hanging on to that um, weight, you know, trying because she missed a couple times, uh, usually barely, and she she definitely even when she made it she had some really hard cuts, she looked really bad, but. Um, Apparently she started like her first, I think, five fights or whatever before she got in the UFC were at 125. And then at the time she signed, that division didn't exist. And she got a short notice call up to fight Bobby Cooper, Amanda Bobby Cooper. And uh, she looked amazing. She choked her out in fucking like one round, I think. And then she like weeks later, she fought uh, Pro Gonzalez and choked her out as well. Like uh, she had a great start to her UFC run. But then she's, she was like missing weight. And I just kept thinking like, like when they opened up Flyweight, I was like, she needs to be up there, and uh, it took her so long to do it, and probably probably because I was uh, they were giving her good fights at 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 one fifteen, like she fought Carla Carla Sparza, and uh, a lot of notable names. She fought Joanne Calderwood, you know, who's going to be fighting for the title soon. So it really shouldn't have been a surprise that she did what she did to Jessica I. because um, as much as people like to hate on Jessica I for being cringy as fuck and doing the here we go evil here we go. Like, she did that to herself. And I got to, like, yes, that is probably the most cringy thing in UFC history. Like, even cringier than Henry Cejudo. Because it just, like, got met with silence. And you're like, oh, babe. And she wore a fucking vest that said bulletproof. Uh, So bad, but... Or maybe it was just a bulletproof, bulletproof vest. But I thought it was said, said bulletproof also. Um, But I got to say, like, my introduction to MMA, I've told this before, was through, like, other parts of pop culture, like Bully Beatdown first, and then, like, right before or right as I started watching it, um, I was a big fan of this, um, not a big fan, but I used to I used to watch him pretty frequently, um, the BuzzFeed, um, there was these guys that worked for BuzzFeed called the Try Guys, and they would just do, like, random shit, and they did one uh, called the BuzzFeed, uh, the Try, Try Guys, Try UFC, and they went and trained at a UFC gym, Chuck Liddell was there, um, Rumble Johnson was there, Chris Weidman showed them some, like, some striking and stuff, this is when he was champion, and then Jessica I was, like, coaching them, and uh, I think she refed, they, like, they fought each other at the end, and she was, like, refing them, 
or or like her and Chuck were judging him. It was it was kind of a weird experience. So whenever like fighters like fighters like that that were in those things that made me become a fan, I'm a fan by proxy. Um, so I've been, I've been a Jessica I fan. Uh, it's just been hard lately. Like I definitely was like like when she got <laughs> sent to the shadow realm by Valentina, I was like, yeah, you know, got to be honest. But uh, I thought she would win this. Um, you know, as much as people like to discredit her, like when she bounced back and fought Viviani Araujo, who was looking really good in the UFC, um, I was like, okay, damn, like Jessica is still a player. And Cynthia, Cynthia Calvillo had her way with her. Um, I didn't score round by round, but the rounds that they gave to Jessica, I, I want to know which ones. Seriously, like honestly didn't think she won any of those rounds, but, uh, it was close. Like some of them were close, so so I'll, I'll give it that. And, and again, like I don't usually score round by round, so it's it's hard for me. But I, I was genuinely surprised by forty nine forty six. Like the the one judge that scored at forty eight forty seven probably was Sal Diamato. Like I've always said he's one of the more competent judges because um, I know he was judging and fucking Judge Cologne was judging who got some terrible calls earlier in the night. Like my God, so I was worried. Um, but all in all, it was a pretty epic night of fights. I mean, I got to say, like, so someone was uh, making a case on, on Twitter, like, oh, yeah, it wasn't like, you know, they were exciting fights, but none of these fights really had stakes. And, and I and I kind of felt like, okay, sure, that's fair. But during this whole pandemic, none of the fights have really made sense. Like, not, pretty much non-title fights have just been like eeny, meeny, miny, mo, And honestly, right now, that's fine. So I haven't been really complaining about any of these cards. And uh, I'm still probably not going to. Um, unless your boy gets approved to go to Fight Island. But that's another story that we're not going to talk about on the podcast. Um, but let's end this segment here. Um, I do want to um, uh, end this in a, in a, in a different way. Uh, sort of bring back an old, uh, you know, not really segment, but an old, an old, uh, an old thing I used to do. Um, for a while, there I would always end the um, the fight recap segment with a with a positive shout out to someone on MMA Twitter, and um, I started I, I started to feel like it was too much, and that like some of the people I shout out might not even be listening. So like, why? What is the point necessarily? But um, I want to give a shout out to one of the biggest supporters of this podcast from day one. Um, then that is uh, LFC Trance uh, at uh, at tr- Trance Trance LFC. I think it's at LFC Trance. Uh, my man just um, had his mom pass away, and I gotta say, you know, we're uh, you know she, she's in our thoughts. You're in our thoughts. Uh, I want everyone to show this guy some love. Apparently, there was some people that were like being real shitheads in his post about it. And honestly, if you're one of those, lose my fucking number. Uh, the guy just had his mom pass away, and you're being a piece of shit. Like, lose my fucking number. This guy has never been fucking, never trolled anybody, never had a shit take, um, just being a really nice guy in the timeline. So, um, big shout out to you. Fucking big up LFC. I know you're a big LFC fan, even though I'm an Everton fan. I gotta fucking set that aside right now. <laughs> we all know it's just from Molly, though. I don't really follow soccer. Anyway, much love to you, man. Uh, really, really appreciate your support over the years. Uh, well, over this past year. <laughs> and uh, yeah, much love. So let's take a break and we're going to get into some news. 
And we're back. I haven't had a solid news segment in a while because there uh, there's just been a bunch of random matchups that get announced like the week of the fucking fight card after I record and uh, not a lot of uh, stuff happening of note to talk about. But there were just a, like a fucking boatload of fight announcements that just got uh, just got announced that I want to talk about. Uh, first of all, uh, Holly Holm versus Irene Aldana is going to headline a card on August 1st. Super stoked for that. Um, I honestly thought after Irene knocked out Kaylin Vieira that she could have been next. Uh, because even though Kaylin Vieira took like a year and a half off, she was on like a three-fight win streak over some of the toughest girls in the division. I think at the time she was ranked number two. Like she had a case for a title shot and Irene just fucking deaded her. Like she, she hit her with this like, I think it was a head kick knockout. Uh, could have been a fucking... Maybe it was a head kick and then a, and punches or something like that. It was so clean, and I was like, "That's it, Irene Aldana is the is the is the girl. That's the fight to make." But uh, they they, they think she needs one more, and I think honestly, if I'm honest, I think she makes mincemeat of Holly Holm, and that's no disrespect. I love Holly Holm. I know there's some big Holly Holm fans that listen to this podcast. Uh, but there's also some Aldana fans. You know, gotta gotta. No, I'm just I'm just trying to be honest. Um, it's it's a tough fight for Holly Holm. Uh, but, uh, Hey, definitely, uh, headline worthy. Uh, there's a question later on in the forum about how I feel about non-title, uh, non-title fight main events being five rounds and, uh, I'll, I'll, I won't bury the lead, but I think, uh, I'm, I'm glad this is five rounds. I'll just say that. Uh, but moving on DC Stipe Miocic three just got announced for August 15th. So fucking excited for that. And uh, the timeline is so mixed on this because, like, when when the, when the first fight happened, DC murdered Stipe, and that's no, again no disrespect. That's what happened. He knocked him out clean. I saw it. You saw it. We all saw it. First round knockout, and there were a ton of Stipe fans that were like, "I pokes," and uh, honestly, I didn't think those played a factor at all. Um. And so I, I even used like the friend song in my intro that week. And I was like, You're talking about I pokes, you sound fucking insane. But um, then he, DC, uh, DC lost as fuck. Uh, he was winning the first two rounds pretty handily. And, uh, and then just started dropping his hands and not listening to his coaches and not wrestling. And, and Stipe showed that he one, has one of the fucking toughest chins in the heavyweight division. And came back from behind. And so all the Stipe fans that were bigging him up in the in the second fight are like, are you kidding me? He doesn't need to prove this. Stipe's going to walk right through him. And then there's a t- uh, also a ton of people that were like, ha, huh, DC was winning that first fight. This is going to be an easy win. Like, now I'm so on, like, I'm, I'm on the fence on this one. Because uh, I think DC doesn't get the credit he gets for being one of the best uh heavyweights because much of his career um in the limelight was fought at 205 you know chasing john jones but he fought his first like 13 fights at, at heavyweight or something you know won the strike force heavyweight grand prix so um dc is legit as fuck and i'm a big daniel cormier fan and uh i think i said that about the second fight like when they fought the first time and i'm still a big stipe fan as well um but I, I I thought I was gonna be sad for you know whoever whoever lost, and uh, in some ways I was, but I I just was like there's no, um, I'm not gonna be able to enjoy the win 
because I'm going to be sad that the other one lost. And then when DC won, my uh, admiration for DC won over the the law, uh, the sadness I felt for Stipe losing. And I learned that I love DC more than I love Stipe. And so that's kind of how I feel lately. But uh, the way DC's been antagonizing him to sign the contract when he's, uh, you know, being a first responder in, in the midst of a, of a national health crisis. And, dude, by, by the way, Stipe being the fucking most, like, woke champion of all time, like, fucking respect trolling his racist fucking fans on Instagram. Like, big up to Stipe, man. I can't I can't even tell you how much that, that made me happy seeing those uh, screenshots that people were posting where, where uh, Stipe was posting about Black Lives Matter and some asshole was like, hey, man, half of your white f- fans are, are, are mad at this. We feel alienated or whatever. He was like, good. I don't need your racist ass. Get the fuck out of here. That's obviously a paraphrasing of what happened, but I was like, dude, I was so proud to be a Stipe fan in that moment. So um, I'm honestly probably not going to make a pick for this. I-, I might like, I know I have to for the show, but I think I'm going to sit on the fence because I honestly, I love both guys so much now that it, I, I just can't. So I feel really conflicted about that. And this is old news. And, and it was announced before I recorded last time, but I still wasn't fucking convinced. Um, but Fight Island is on Yas Island in Abu Dhabi. And uh, people have been making those jokes, and I can't get enough of them. Especially because um, there's, a, there's a racetrack in Abu Dhabi on that Yas Island called the Yas Marina Circuit, uh, which is big in the racing world that I um, not really follow, but um, have to because of my job, sort of. And uh, when that happened, I, I was like, Huh. Like the connection to my um, job that I hate was was there. And I was like, yeah, dude. Um, but I'm super excited for Fight Island. Uh, and then let's talk about it for a second. So initially, I got to be honest, disappointed. Because it's been like a fucking myth and a rumor for this whole time. And I was imagining like uh, flames and fucking like huts for the medical tent and, and other shit. Like, to find out that they're building a dome and it's just going to be a regular-ass arena. So disappoint, dude. Like, stop selling these shirts and these merchandise for fucking Fight Island and, and making putting, like, it's an octagon on the beach when it's in just in, like, a regular-ass part of Dubai that happens to be, like, mostly surrounded by water and you're going to do, like... They better do some fucking better shit. They, they better do, like... I want the ring car girls in fucking coconut bras and grass skirts. I want a fucking Dana White wearing lays. I want Bruce Buffer in a fucking Hawaiian shirt. I want a haka in every walkout. I want the sharks to have freaking laser beams on their heads. I want more. But that said, they're making a big splash. I'm so I'm so happy it's my birthday week. Um, the, the first, uh, uh, event is on July 11th and they're doing what they did when they came back to, to Jacksonville, which was to do like three fight cards in a week, like one on Saturday, one on the following Wednesday. And then the Saturday after that. And so, um, my birthday is July 17th. So that whole fucking week of fights is going to be like the best way to, to live my life. Can't fucking wait. Especially if your boy is sat cage eyed, can't fucking wait. That's a different story which we're not going to talk about. But UFC 251, man, listen to this main card. And I saw a funny tweet that um, is relevant to talk about. I, I can't remember who did it. Um, but it was like, uh, 
for, for, for everyone that complains about interim titles, the UFC was like, hey, here's three legitimate title fights that are way worse than interim titles. <laughs> or less legitimate or something like that. Um, but here's the lineup for the main card. And, and I'm going top to bottom. I'm going main event first. It's headlined by Kamaru Usman versus Gilbert Burns. Um, I got to say, I respect Kamaru Usman for taking this because uh, he, I feel like he hasn't taken a fight in a long time. And I guess we found out it's just basically due to like negotiations, which can't really get mad at. Um, but uh, respect to him for taking his teammate on assumingly less money because if he was having trouble, like, you know, getting the money together to, to you know, get, agree on a, on a number for to fight you know, Jorge Masvidal, like to fight a teammate who's a worse stylistic matchup for you, like kudos. But uh, super looking forward to that. We riding with Gilbert Burns. We riding with Gilbert Burns. I don't give a fuck. I slept on Gilbert Burns for way too long, and it's and it's it's I can't do it anymore. I've I've woken up about Gilbert Burns. And then we got Alex Volkanovski versus Max Holloway too. Um, gotta feel bad for Alex Volkanovski for this because uh, everyone is still behind Max Holloway. And I found out like I didn't know this. Chael actually scored the fight for Max. Um, and I remember I remember watching it. Um, at a bar, and so it, it's hard to to get a a great like perception on it when that happens. And the first like two rounds, I was like, okay, Max is doing his thing. And then I went on Twitter, and everyone was like, Volk ten nine, Volk twenty eighteen. I was like, what? And then I just started watching it through that lens, and then it looked like a Volk domination for the for the rest of the fight. And I was like, well, shit, what do I know about fuck? So I really have to rewatch that fight before I kind of make an ample prediction. Um, the way uh, I heard Brad Rydell talk about it in his interview with Luke Thomas, how he was using the leg kicks to keep him on the back foot and, and negate a lot of his tools. Um, once he said that, it, it I started getting like flashbacks and like a montage in my head of like those moments. And I was like, oh yeah, he did do a lot of that. So uh, Really, really nervous for Max. I'm a big fan. Um, I'm a fan of uh, Volkanovski as well for absolutely clowning Colby Covington uh, at the press conference. That shit was beautiful. Like, oh, there's nothing wrong with being a nerd and a virgin. Love it. Uh, and I love Australians, dude. I fucking... The big part of my listenership is, is from Australia. And, and you know I love you guys. Um, and then we got Piotr Jan versus Jose Aldo. Even though this is the worst fucking Bantamweight title in the history of the division... And, like, honestly, we just had Aljamain Sterling versus Corey Sanhagen, and that was the people's champ. Aljo is the people's champ. And he's going to defend his belt against the winner of this bullshit fight, uh, which is probably going to be Piotrion, uh, although I wouldn't be surprised if Jose Aldo wins, and he's going to fucking choke whoever it is out. You heard it here first. Aljamain Sterling will be champ by the end of this year. And fuck everything else. And then we got Jessica Andrade versus Rosanami Yunus too. And honestly, fuck anyone picking Jessica Andrade. Just kidding. I still love you, but we're riding with Rose on this one, and I'm not fucking fielding questions about that. I don't want to hear anything about that bullshit slam. Uh, and then I, I gotta say, Amanda Hibas versus Paige Van Zandt. Super excited for this fight. And not for the reasons that everyone else is. Like, I'm a Paige Van Zandt fan. I wouldn't call myself a fan Zandt. Like, that's a little bit too far. I, I just always feel like the hate she gets is undeserved. And people are like, oh, she gets, um, she gets bigger fights because of stuff that has, doesn't have to do with fighting. But Honestly, that's what the fight game's about. And do you think she's not going to take those opportunities? You think she's going to say, oh, but I haven't beat anybody. No. 
So I always feel like a white knight page, and and I honestly don't ever like to use that term, especially about myself. But when everyone are, is like calling Page dumb and those um, Instagram posts saying they're cringy, I'm always like, "Hey man, fuck you." But uh, that said, I'm a I'm becoming a big fan of Amanda Hibas. Like her energy is just so infectious. Uh, she's always like, "I'm so happy. I want you to learn everything," and I'm like, "Yes, dude." But that said, as a fan of Paige Van Zandt. I feel like she's going to get her face rearranged. Amanda Hibas was able to fight off the submissions of Mackenzie Dern, which not many people can say. And she fucking lit her up on the feet, as well as everyone else she's fought. So Paige Van Zandt really poses no problems. Like, legitimately, I'm pretty sure Amanda Hibas could win this fight with her one hand tied behind her back. And I almost want them to make that happen. I mean, they couldn't sanction it. You know, that, that couldn't happen. But can you imagine if uh, Amanda Hibas, like, made, they made, like, a uh, like a gentlewoman's agreement where she was like, yeah, I'm going to fight you with one hand. And she put it behind her back. Paige would still get fucking destroyed. You know what I mean? So that's it for news. I mean, uh, <laughs> it was just a lot about Fight Island, I got to say. But, uh, you know, I'm super excited. Like, I haven't been this excited for Fight Island since since it was announced. I've been super, like, negative about it. Oh, and actually, that, that brings me to something that kind of doesn't ha- have to relate with this. Check out my boy's new site, the MMA Joint. Um, I've been tweeting about it. Um, I wrote a satire piece for them. I, I'm, I'm going to become a writer. Uh, if you guys don't know, it's my boy Tom Zakarzewski, who I thought was named Tom Downing for the longest time, but apparently it's a pseudonym. Uh, because he doesn't think people are not building around Zakharjevsky, but I just did three times, so uh, it's pretty easy. <laughs> but check him out, honestly. Uh, the the fucking the articles are so funny. It's like The Onion, but for MMA. And he wrote a piece about Valentina Sims being labeled as a terrorist organization that made me piss myself laughing. And then I wrote a piece about uh, Dylan Danis getting offered a dishwashing position after that video <laughs> surfaced of him waxing that ass like a fucking virgin i was just so uh laughing my ass off at that dylan dennis video but hey man check him out the mma joint i think it's at the mma joint on twitter and then you can see the links to the the site it's probably the mma joint.wordpress.com and there you have it that's news and without further ado let's jump right into the forum let's get down to business and answer these questions. I'll never do that again. Uh, anyway, we got a great question to start it off, so take it away. By the way, love when people uh, introduce themselves. Most people do that, some people forget, but uh, it saves me from having to do it so you can hear from the person who sent it. Cheers. What's going on, man? This is Dave Fretz at Dave Fretz and at Solo Shoes on Twitter and Instagram. Got a question for you today, um, all brought on by the Wild Week on uh, MMA Twitter, uh, specifically Jessica I fighting everybody uh, on Twitter the night before her fight. Um, I know she brings a lot of this, most of it, all of it, on herself, uh, but I'm curious your thoughts on uh, people talking so much trash to fighters. Uh, I can't stand it, to be honest, with you. Uh, even if somebody's bringing it on themselves, uh, I, I, I can't stand the trash talk from fans 
to the pro athletes myself, but I just want to hear your take on it, um, regardless of somebody bringing it on themselves. Anyways, have a good one. Enjoy the fights tonight. Peace. Great, great question, Dave, and I'm so glad you brought this up because I'm very mixed about it, and I want to talk about both sides and how I feel. Uh, I shouldn't say very mixed. I lean, I lean more to one way, which you'll you'll come to find out. Uh, so, we actually were talking, Dave, Dave and I, about, uh, or Dave was talking in a in a little group chat um, about trash talking MMA in general, like between fighters, and it's something that I personally enjoy. I get why people don't. But I personally do, because to me, MMA is not a sport. It is rooted. It has some uh, architecture of sport, but it is not rooted in sport. And uh, that's not what it is at the crux of it. And when you have uh, a, a contest that involves two people locked in a cage and beating the shit out of each other, there's going to be some trash talk. And honestly, I love when uh, there's sportsmanship. But I usually love it at the end. I love when they, there's like some little bit of bad blood and then they fucking settle it. And at the end, they've earned each other's respect and they hug it out. They Sometimes they bow. I love that shit. I really do. But I love the pre-fight buildup as well when they're like, yeah, you're bullshit. Your fucking coaches suck. Like, I love that. Um, and, and I just, I can't get away from it. But when it comes to fans, like, honestly, first of all, I hate uh, the notion that uh, if you ha if you, if you don't train or if that you've never been involved in if you've never competed in a combat sport that you can't have an opinion on it that you can't um, uh, talk about anyone's skills in a negative light because uh, otherwise like what's the fucking point of watching like am I just supposed to be like well okay I should just shut up because I don't know anything like fuck that dude if someone does something that I think is stupid or if someone like does some bullshit I'm gonna fucking roast them for it and that's that's on some real shit. Uh, but I hate these fucking uh, accounts on Twitter as well that are like hiding behind a fake Abby and are like saying shit. It's mostly like dudes talking shit on like female fighters as well to, to what you said about Jessica I. And it honestly makes me sick. And it's like like people that uh, do have nothing, never done anything in their lives, you know, uh, who fucking think that it's productive to like sling that sort of vitriol toward towards someone who put, put, fucking puts their health on the line for your enjoyment, like grow a fucking pair of balls and and stop being a, a whiny cuck. But hey, if if a fight like I personally like, you guys know me uh, as much as I love standing certain fighters, and as much as I like say like oh this fighter is like an inspiration to me and I look up to them and and etc cetera, etc. Cetera, I also love to hate. I really do. Like whenever fucking, uh, you know, Paulo Costa exists, I'm like, this motherfucker needs to lose in emphatic fashion. Whenever fucking Henry Cejudo does anything, I'm like, this guy is a piece of shit. Whenever Colby Covington fucking blows his nose, I'm like, this guy gets, this guy should be canceled. So I get it. Like, and, and there are some like, you know, quote unquote, smart marks. They're like, oh, well, he wants me to hate him. I know it's a gimmick. You know, look at his skills, bro. Stop. Like for me, I feel like I'm, I'm being better as a fan by giving into it because as, as a fan of just the sport of MMA, um, which again, I don't consider just a sport, but just, you know, for argument's sake, just to call it that as a, as a fan of MMA, I feel like I'm doing justice to the sport of MMA by giving into that, you know, 
whatever they're trying to do. Like if they're trying to be a heel or whatever, like I feel like I'm actually, you know, doing it. Like sometimes it's way obvious and it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't hit. But, but other times, you know, like with Jessica, I, I don't feel like she's being a heel. I feel like she's just a fucking like, like she is that person. You know what I mean? Which sometimes can be come off as like negative. Like the whole thing about her missing weight was like, I didn't really follow it because I'm, uh, I'm now like, um, working from home, so I can't like check the 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 weigh-in stream and things like that. So uh, I missed a lot. When people were like, "Oh, she missed weight," and apparently there were people like roasting her. And then it came out that she missed by like 0.2 pounds. And everyone was like, "You guys are assholes for talking about Jessica Eyes weight. Obviously, you've never cut weight before, etc., etc." I'm like, that's one of my least favorite things on Twitter is when 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 people think that you can't talk about weight missing if you've never cut weight in your life. But then. After the fight, Cynthia Calvillo in the press conference said that she got a text 30 minutes before Jessica weighed in from her manager saying that she was going to be three pounds overweight, maybe three and change, like 3.5 or whatever. But she got texted she was going to be three pounds overweight and she missed by 0.2, apparently because of the towel trick. And I don't, I don't get into that fucking like DC at, you know, 210 with the towel gate. I don't really get into that. You know, Kelvin Gaston leaning on his, his coach's shoulder at the Darren Till fight. Like, I don't give too much credence to things like that. I, th I think MMA fans love drama and conspiracy. So I, I didn't pay too much attention to it. But the fact that Cynthia got a text saying that she was, you know, three pounds heavy and ended up only being 0.2, I think that's shady as fuck. You know, I think that's really shady because you have to know, like you have to know you're going to miss. And, and that when the, when the, when the managers are, are making a plan, you know, to notify the opponent, it's because they're worried about the fight falling through because of, of that much of a miss. Like, if you got a text saying your opponent was 0.2 pounds overweight, like, no worries, bro. Like, that's fine. You know, you're good. But honestly, that kind of, uh, like, antics like that is, is really shady to me. So, yeah, I think uh, I think she does bring it on herself. And, and, and like you said, I, I hate to see it sometimes, but sometimes it's warranted. So where's the line? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, uh, some of the things are are, are coming from some someone who's, who's fucking opinion shouldn't be valid like anyway but, but but then again some of the things like they're brought on the, on themselves by by doing shit like that and we, we as fans have a right to share our opinion it's how we get involved and my fans are the most passionate fan base on the planet except for maybe like real madrid fans like we're the most fucking passionate fan base um and uh you know that's like I was listening to uh, Molly McCann's podcast. Shout out to, to Meatball Molly, friend of the show. Uh, um, Coffee with a Chance of Meatballs. Love her. And uh, she was, uh, in her most recent episode, she was talking to, I, I'm going to butcher this name. I think it's like Fionn. Uh, I don't know. It's spelled like F, F, I, uh, so, so, some some Welsh um, uh, woman who's who's a BJJ black belt and who's like lighting up the, the grappling scene. And she was saying... Molly was saying how she used to pay attention to the negative comments and then she was like and then you check the profile and it's like a Conor McGregor avatar and like you never do anything in your life and so I'm like yeah dude you need to fucking consider the source like a lot of these things like I, I learned when I was I was getting fucking trolled by these assholes in MMA Twitter when I first started my show I learned to consider the source you know what I mean you learn to consider the source so let them talk their bullshit, honestly, Dave. Let them talk their bullshit. Consider the source. You know what I mean? 
Uh, and shouts to Rachel and Jonah and uh, and, and and your kids as well. Uh, hope they uh, hope they uh, are enjoying their week. Next question. Hey, Juice. It's MMA by Milliken, man. I'm out and about, and I'm running on fumes. I hope you can hear me. Uh, hope it's not too much background noise. Yeah, I mean, should main events that aren't title matches be five rounds? I, that Cavillo-Jessica I matchup, man. Most people were wrong thinking that the card was going to be boring, but good grief. They weren't wrong about that main event, man. Good grief. I thought I'd need another cup of coffee. Uh, but yeah, that's I, I think that's my question, man. <laughs> Take care. Man, I love this guy. Go follow MMA by Milliken. Great guy. Um, just started a podcast recently. Um, I was actually listening to his podcast before I recorded. And uh, he was like, anyone that thought is Israel Adesanya versus Yo Romero should have been made, shut the hell up. <laughs> and I was one of those people. But honestly, I love that shit. I love people being passionate about it. You know, because I, I talk my shit on here all the time. And if you, if you disagree with me, it's not directed at you. I'm just I'm just on my bullshit. And that's honestly like how I took it when I was like at Milliken. It was like, he's just on his bullshit like me. Like, that's fine. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, shouts to Milliken. Shouts out to his podcast. Uh, great guy on the timeline. And uh, I hope, hope you're staying safe over in your part of the world, my man. And look, uh, I'm, I'm conflicted about five round main events. Uh, because first I thought it was just like the way it is and this is how it should be. Um, but Chael has been like over the past couple of years has been very vocal about not doing it. Uh, how it's just like sometimes they get into these wars that are like they don't come out the same. And when it's not for a title, he was like, you know, Yair versus he he kept calling him Yarir, which is so fucking ugh, Chael. You're canceled, but um, Yair versus Korean Zombie, how neither of them came back in like a year. And, uh, you know, Yoel versus uh, Whitaker too. They both like took a year off or something because of the fucking insane war. So it's one of those things where I get it, but I, I still want title fights to be um, to be five rounds. And I know you didn't say that. You said non-title fights, but I'm just kind of counteracting that point about chill but um because he doesn't even like it for title fights he's like why is it more for a title fight not no other sport is like that where the championship is determined in a long contest like shut up chill you fucking anyway but um no honestly certain fights don't need to be five rounds i am a big believer though in title eliminators being five rounds in like when, when it's a clear number one contender fight when they've actually come on and said the winner of this is getting the next title shot it needs to be five rounds or they need to have been have proven themselves in five rounds like no disrespect but look what happened to Nganu. my man was blowing people out in the first round and then he gets in his first five round uh main event and uh or it may not have been first main event i think it was though um, either way, it was his first title fight, first five, you know, first time going five rounds. He couldn't get CP on the first round and he fucking gassed and he got wrestle fucked into oblivion. And so, you know, I think like, like Zabit dodging the five rounds against Cater, despicable. Uh, Zabit needs to fight five rounds before he fights for a title or I'm not fucking watching. What up, Juice? Your boy guy shook. I ain't got a question. I just wanted to give you a shout out and say thanks for doing what you're doing. Keeping us sane through these crazy times. Keep doing what you're doing, man. 
Yes, dude. The guy said this last night. Right, before, I I played it right before I went to bed, and that like that um truck uh horn fucking made my my night, man. Uh, I feel like Guy Shuck hasn't been on the forum since he was out there dropping panties, you know, with that super smooth voice of his. But uh, shouts to Guy. Uh, I was like when he posts, uh, you know, it was like view from the office and it's just him at a truck stop. Fucking great. Guy makes me want to be a trucker. Honestly, I look at that. I'm like, I want to fucking be a trucker like Guy Shuck. Probably enjoy it more than I enjoy my job, to be honest. But th but thank you, Guy. That that really meant a lot to me. And and thank you for the shout out. I'm, I'm glad to, to be doing it. Um, people are not listening as much during the pandemic. And so, you know, it, it's been a little disheartening, but comments like that and, and others that I've ever received saying, thank you for still producing content. Uh, you know, even I was, I was even when the fights weren't back. So, uh, honestly, that means a lot to me. So thank you so much, guy. Juice. Type on my photo here. You know, it's a pretty wild card. I didn't have a ton of high expectations for it, but it definitely, definitely surpassed what I thought it was going to be. Crazy finishes to start. A bunch of finishes, man. Wild card. Off that subject. On to touchy-feely. He said he wants a big name. Don't even know what that means. Should have just called somebody out, to be fair. He had a good performance. What do you think is next for him? And also, what do you think is next for Charles Air Jordan? I think they should throw Herbert Burns at him, see where he stands. Let's get this division cracking. Yes, dude, I love that idea. I love the idea of Herbert Burns versus Air Jordan. And you know what, honestly, like, he brings up a good point about calling people out. Like, there are some fighters who treat it like a sport and they want to be respectful and they're like, and they just have a sense of like, I don't call people out. But Philly's not one of those guys. Philly doesn't mind talking shit. Philly, Philly doesn't mind being a fucking antagonist. So if you're going to have that stance of like, oh, I've been in the UFC for a while and they even said like on the broadcast, like he's grown up in the UFC, you know, in terms of his career, like he's, he's aged and in skill set and things like that. But dude, have a fucking name. I I hate when Lavar just like if you're mad at not getting a name, have one. And they say I want a name next. I want you to have a name too. So say one. Fucking idiot. And I the whole time he was fighting as well, I was thinking about Shane Terry used to send like a bunch of Collins like roasting his tattoos. And I was honestly looking at some of them being like, dude, what the fuck is that? But then others I was like that's a pretty dope tattoo. Like it, it just like that fight, because uh, Charles Jordan had some pretty badass tattoos as well. It, it just showed me that MMA fighter tattoos are so hit or miss. Like they can be just so fucking really bad, or or really good. There's not a lot of middle ground. So yeah, uh, as far as what's next for Touchy Feely, I don't even want to give him anything because he he didn't say. Like you said, he just said I want a name next, and. Uh, he, he did remind me of a, a funny thing that happened on Instagram a long time ago. I don't know if you guys remember this. Because he uh, when he took out his mouth guard, he has like a teeth missing that I forgot about. And it reminded me of this one time he was sponsored by, I think I think it's like Vita Goods is the brand. It, they make a scale that Joe Schilling is like really big on. And I think like Chael might be and like Pedro Van Zandt or something like that. 
a lot of fighters are like talk about this scale as being like really accurate because it shows like BMI and things like that. It's like a lot of data. And apparently they had they offered like a sponsorship deal to Feely for some shout outs. But um he uh apparently they, they weren't gonna pay him because they didn't think the shouts were like quality and he didn't show his face. And then he made a video who's like, here's my face, and then he smiled without that without the teeth, with the teeth missing, and then he took a fucking baseball out and bashed that scale in. It was so gangster. He was like, I mean, shout outs. Good shout-outs. Quality shout-outs. Like, he was so fucking petty. And then he takes the, takes the bat and then smashes that scale. Oh, uh, man. By the way, Touchy Feely is such a good nickname. There there are people who I respect <laughs> who, th- who think it's a terrible nickname. But it just goes to show, like... Like, I think Coconut Bombs is the worst nickname in the UFC. And people are like, oh, I love it. So, you you never know. you to put your fucking Justradamus hat on for me and make a fucking prediction for my question which is which is the first pay-per-view event that we are going to see the fans back at after the pandemic that's all bye dude you guys gotta go follow Smokey J right now and if you're listening to this podcast you probably already follow him but it's at Smokey J MMA uh, sometimes I think about how fucking lucky I am that he calls into the podcast like every week you know, first of all, I love Australians. You guys know that. Fucking, I feel so blessed by the Australian, um, you know, MMA fans that listen to the show. And uh, his questions are fucking fire every week. And that bong rip is always like, it's fucking music to my ears on the fucking glass saxophone. Um, and uh, like Smokey J and I started, like joined MMA Twitter around the same time. So he's been really been with me since day one. So big. Big shout to Smokey J. I was I was drinking from my bad drawings mug the other day. My man did a drawing of myself and Roxy and put them together on on the mug. And I think it's still up on the Red Bubble site. You guys should go check out his merch. It's fucking dope. I love that Australian. Uh, not Australian. I mean everything is technically Australian because he makes it. But the astronaut smoking the joint. That shit is fucking great. Um, I'm probably gonna get one of those hoodies for when it gets colder. But uh, you know, hard question to answer because. First of all, I don't know if you mean so. Two fifty one is in July. That means two fifty two is August. Two fifty three September. Two fifty four October. Two fifty five November. Um, two fifty six December. It might be two fifty six, honestly, but it could even be next year. Because look, I was uh, watching the press conference, and uh, there was a guy who said that New Zealand just had their first uh, sporting event with fans. Uh, it was a rugby event, and um, it was because uh, I think New Zealand's pretty much like flattened the curve, and like they basically eliminated the coronavirus there, uh, as far as I know. And uh, well, I, I was um, I was in the press conference, and I think Dana had asked about if it was like like a full arena or they where they had to be like you know 
everyone six feet apart and like only have some of the seats available and i think they were unclear on the answer to that so i'd have to do some more digging but but dana hearing that was like not fully confident to say like yeah because because the guy was like would you do costa versus adesanya in new zealand and uh dana was like well let's see how it plays out you know typical dana answer um I feel like at this point, I feel like I could impersonate Dana White. And by that, I mean, I don't mean do an impression. I mean, like, if I looked remotely like him, like if I was mixed a man, I could fucking put on a suit and like do the press conference and be like, yeah, we'll see what happens. Like, just give my fucking, uh, what's it called? Like cardboard cookie cutter answers to fucking everything and just be Dana White for those press conferences. Um, and actually he talked about something interesting that i wanted to talk about in the news but I, I i didn't find like enough about it apparently there was a shooting that happened somewhere in i think it was houston and the guy was like you know who i am i'm a ufc fighter but they haven't been identified and uh maybe they have been by the time you're listening to this and you think i'm a hack but at the moment i don't think they've been identified and uh honestly that fucking worries me so uh yeah smoky to answer your question probably um december i would say like really, because if if you think about it, honestly, like everyone has been like clamoring to get outside and get things back to normal because it's the fucking at least in in the states here it's the summertime and everyone's like, oh, I want to be out like the beach is open and everyone here is like not wearing their mask and just fucking going out like it's a fucking party and uh, it's really stressing me out and I I freaking hate them. Uh, like my wife was in Target the other day and it was packed and she was like no one was wearing their mask and I was like fuck them dude. So, uh, I think, uh, it's going to take something like winter to like get everyone the fuck inside, uh, again. And then, and then shit will like the cases will go down and they, and they can be like, oh, we can open up shit again. So honestly, 256, maybe 257 would be my guess. And, uh, if anyone remembers that and can clip this, uh, for when it actually happens, if it comes to fruition, I'll, uh, buy you a lollipop. And that was an innuendo, but I won't tell you what it means. Juice, my man, it is mixed a man here. What is in the water at the UFC Apex? And don't tell me it's just the small cage, brother. What is going on? Do you think it, obviously it's partially the small cage, but I, I'm wondering if maybe these fighters know they're not going to get cut or they're just going for broke or maybe there's some behind the deal, uh, behind the scenes extra money going on. What is going on and why are these fights so fucking good right now? I don't want to make light of the reasons why we're fighting in the UFC Apex, but I got to say, I do not mind these fights as much as I thought I was going to mind them. I, I The first one, I didn't like it, and ever since then, it's just been absolute fucking fire, dude. Get at me. What do you think is going on? What's in the water? They put an HGH in it? I don't know, but it's fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Mixed Man. Um, dude. It's it's funny you say that because um, they asked Dana about the small cage in the uh, in the um, in the press conference, and he was like, "What did you think the the Jacksonville fights weren't good? That was the regular cage." And uh, I think there's a case to be made that the small cage has a big impact on it, but I think it's also um, the other factors. Like the fact that they can hear their corners better. Uh, like the fact that they can hear the commentary. You know, because sometimes they pick up on things that their coaches may have missed. Uh, the lack of fans. You know, they're more focused. There's a lot of factors. The, the small cage, I feel like, definitely helps finishes. 
you know, it forces more action and it creates more openings. But I feel like the performances are better regardless because of those other of those other factors I mentioned. No fucking wooing cucks in the audience. Like there's just a lot that's that's good about it. But I also think specifically the apex, like regardless of you know cage size, does foster a little bit of a different environment as well that helps these performances because. Um, some of these fighters, and I, and I don't know, uh, other than I, I mentioned Gina Mazzani, who obviously didn't, didn't win, but, um, some of these fighters came from tough, um, and they, you know, remember that environment, like Andre Feely, I don't think was on tough, but he definitely was a, was a guest coach, um, when, uh, when Uriah Faber, uh, was on, uh, season 22, and a lot of and a lot of these other fighters have experience being on either the contender series or whatever, like Jordan Espinoza. You know, so th- so they're used to that environment, which actually brings up another point, dude. And I forgot to mention this: they are fucking underutilizing the shit out of you out of Laura Sanko. Like, I-, I tweeted this out because whenever there was like a quick knockout, they would go to Laura Sanko to like vamp and talk about the fighters and talk about other things. And I'm like, oh, is this what Laura Senko is to you? A time filler? Honestly, if we're doing the post-fight interviews remotely because of the NSAC standards, she should fucking be doing them. That way the, the commentators can prepare their notes for the next fighting and get more focused because she is, no disrespect to, to Paul Felder or any of the other ones doing it, she is so much better because she has so much experience not only doing them in Invicta, but doing them for um, Dana White's Contender Series, um, just doing so many of them. And uh, she's great. Her her insight is great. And and she was a pro fighter. If you don't know Laura Sanko's story, um, first of all, who are you? Insert that clip of fucking Dominic Reyes at the press conference. Who are you? <laughs> I want to have a word with you. <laughs> no, but seriously, if, if you don't know Laura Sanko's story, I highly, highly recommend her um, appearance on Well Actually with uh, Fernanda Prachas. It's, uh, I want to say, like, episode 15... Um, watch me be like on the money, um, but look it up. Honestly, it, it's Laura Sanko's in the title, so you'll you'll find it. Great, great interview, great insight, and uh, yeah, Laura Sanko's highly underutilized. Like, what the fuck? So, I know you didn't ask that, Mixta, but uh, that was funny about putting HGH in the water. <laughs> Can you fucking imagine the conspiracy? Jeez, that was great. Oh man. But uh, shout out to Mix the Man. Go give him a follow, like right now. Hey, Juice, it's MMA Catfish. Now, I did see a tweet that Dana said smaller cage makes absolutely no difference. But we have a lot of fighters on the record long before quarantine saying that there was a massive difference between the smaller cage and the bigger cage. And. Given the results we've seen in a lot of these fights with the action pressed, whether it was on the feet or on the ground, man, I definitely say we need to just stick with the smaller cage all the time. Pretty please, Uncle Dana? Pretty, pretty please. You know what? I'm mixed about it. I got to be honest because... Uh, like I said, when I was answering Mix's question, like there are benefits of it, but I also think like some of the outside factors make for for better performances as well. You know, like with 
with the no no fans and all the different procedures that are in place. Um, and the fact that um, this isn't talked about a lot, but some of the fighters have been talking about it. Like I think Angela Hill mentioned this and, and other fighters like because you can't have too many people in a room, like they're not all in the same warm up room. Like they, I feel like they get brought into the arena. I think they said this, I think like 90 minutes before their fight um, so that they're not waiting around and wasting too much energy. And I think that's helped a lot of them as well. Like it might've felt weird to some people at first, but I think it definitely helped nerves to to not be back there for like a long ass time. So um, I think that helps. Um, But the, the small cage I'm mixed on because they're going to be like when they do big arena shows where they're going to want to use the bigger cage to fill more space. And yeah, if they, if they did the smaller cage, they could sell more tickets. They could put more floor seats, even though those are more expensive and they don't always sell those out. Um, It's, it's a mixed blessing. And and so like I was thinking about this when, um, when I watched, uh, when I was watching Amanda Nunes versus Felicia Spencer, like, Title fights feel kind of weird in the small cage, if I'm honest, because the small cage is always reminiscent of Tough and the Daniel Contender Series, not something you usually associate with championship fights. Uh, like, no disrespect. You know, those are like road to the, you know, the UFC kind of things, not like I'm fighting for a belt things. Um, you know, so like unless it's, uh, you know, Tim Elliott getting the shot against DJ by winning the Ultimate Fighter or Matt Sarah in season four, like usually... It's not associated with getting a title, you know, or season 26 with the flyweights and season, what was it, 20 with the strawweights. You know, the, there's obviously exceptions that are, exceptions to that rule. Don't add me. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really mixed on the small cage. I just think they, like, I like using it more, more uh, I like changing it up more often. Uh, let, let's say that. I think they should they should be using it more frequently. And I, I, th- I think Dana had mentioned that they, you know, they want to keep doing fights in the apex. I think that's great. Um but uh, I, I would like them to not only use the small cage, if I'm honest. Um, especially because, like I said, there's, there's not going to be times when they can, they can use a small cage. There's going to be times when they prefer the big cage. And for someone, like let's say someone has like just signed and they have six fights in the UFC, all of which are in the small cage, and then they fight in the big cage, uh, it's going to be weird. So, like I said, I'm mixed about it. And I've always like... Uh, I kind of feel like I don't always like the cage because I, I it, like, you know, it, it can um, it can encourage like stalling up against the fence and like clinching and uh, the fence honestly makes for some boring fights sometimes. Like I prefer like what they do in karate combat where it's like a pit that's like angled and uh, I would love to see that honestly more. So, uh, yeah, I'm really mixed about it, to be honest with you, Catfish. But, <laughs> love that guy. Uh, got a DM question from the homie Phil, the MMA dude from uh, split decision podcast. You know, I don't uh, shout out Phil, uh, on the show often enough. He's been a big supporter of mine since the beginning. Uh, he's one of only two people to see the Cejudo video, <laughs> you know, uh, earlier, early listeners of the show will know what that means, but, uh, you know, Phil's my boy and, uh, appreciate everything he does. His question is, says, Dana said that Cynthia Calvillo is likely next for a title shot after Val disposes of Calderwood. For not one single moment in last night's fight did I see a single weapon Cynthia could use to exploit Val. Do we just give Val 20 title defenses now and let these poor women go home before someone gets killed? Seriously, though, thoughts on Cynthia versus the bullet? You know, Phil, it's it's tough 
because and, and this is what happens when you when you have a situation where someone unranked and d- doesn't have any fights in the division in the UFC anyway um, comes in and takes out the number one ranked contender like the way the ranking system is set up that pretty much has to happen now it's been said that um, Roxanne versus Lauren Murphy could be a potential number one contender fight given the streak that they're both on and they're standing in the division I mean um, Calder, Calder what is next um, Maia is ranked number four, uh, but she's coming off a loss to Chukagian. So that's kind of, you know, given the standing, that, that's a little bit more apropos. Now, in terms of like a matchup of Cynthia versus uh, Valentina, you're right. I don't see anything she has that, that, could, uh, that could pose a threat to Valentina. Because Valentina just fought uh, Kaylin Chukagian who we we've seen has has a pretty legit brown belt in uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Uh, I don't think Valentina has that high of a belt, but she definitely has trained grappling for a long time and she was never in any danger. So like Cynthia is a different kind of grappler, but I don't think she has the wrestling to actually take down Valentina. Like Valentina has like the Israel Adesanya school of wrestling where he's like, you know, the wrestling starts before you even engage, you know, like uses distance and stuff and to, to avoid it. Like wrestling, like takedown defense doesn't start when they shoot on you. It starts before that. It starts not, you know, giving those opportunities. And like, I, even though when someone is fighting like a dangerous striker, like Valentina, panic wrestling becomes like a thing. I've never seen anyone like shoot for a takedown on Valentina because she doesn't even give them those opportunities. Uh, and when they do like clinch with her, she fucking takes him down with a body lock. Like, obviously, Valentina is another level. And I, I just, like, I, I hate when a champion is so dominant that uh, breaking down their fights becomes boring. But, you know, honestly, you're right. Cynthia doesn't really pose any threats. But th- I don't think that means that we should not have her fight her. Like, at some point, like, especially Valentina wants to stay active. And she comes out of most of these fights unscathed. And she's good for business. So let's fucking... Let's just have her go through the division. Like I don't, I don't really care. You know, when Amanda's ready to, you know, go back for that third title, or, or not the third title, but the third. I mean, she couldn't. She could fucking make one twenty-five. That would be a, a hell of a fight. But uh, I don't think she could even make that safely. But I'm. I'm but if they, they want to do that trilogy fight, that third fight, that's a really the only competitive fight we're going to see Valentina Shevchenko in. Probably. No disrespect to anyone on the horizon. Uh, though I would, I would love to see me Bob Molly versus Valentina. Are you kidding me? But uh, yeah. Anyway, that's a that's a that's a great question, Phil. But I don't really know the answer because, as you said, this really pose a threat. So, fucking a. Uh, got a question from my man Rhino. Uh, shout out to the Combat Sports with Rhino podcast. I sent him some amazing questions. I think they are anyway, and. Uh, I told him he could use either one, so you'll have to tune in to find out which one he used. Um, I wish I knew, actually, so I could talk about the other one. But uh, he said, Marab looked great last night, but against a very late replacement. He called for a fight against Sugar Sean. I don't think that's what's next for him. Who would you like to see as his next opponent? You know, man, like, I agree with you. Uh, especially, like, I'm, I'm, I'm in the camp that thinks Sugar Sean should be fighting a ranked opponent next. You know, he should be getting that step up, you know. Uh, there's a lot of people that, that want to take it slow with him. And honestly, uh, I fucking disagree. I think it's time to just throw him in with the wolves and just see. Like, anyone that's like, oh, let's build these prospects. I'm like, nah. 
Uh, I like MMA because the best fight the best. And we get the fights that the fans want to see. I don't want to see him fighting someone I don't think has any business being in there with him. I want him to, I want him to be fighting fucking champions like Cody Garbrandt. So anyway, uh, as far as what's next for Mirab, uh, I wouldn't mind a Ricky Simone rematch, you know, because Ricky Simone has been looking good. And uh, like I said, I think he got marobbed in that fight. <laughs> Oh, that's such a, such a stupid pun. But um, I think he got robbed uh, by the ref in that, that bullshit decision. Um, but I would also love to see um, Marab versus Marab Font. <laughs> so stupid. Uh, I actually wouldn't even mind Hot Fela Sunsell because he just fought. And, uh, you know, he's kind of not um, in a position to be, like, turning down fights. And that'd be a good jump up for Marab. And I think Marab could easily take on Hot Fela Sunsell. Um Someone also said, um, oh, I, I think it was Sean Sheehan. It was like, Marab versus a jiu-jitsu chap. <laughs> so funny to say jiu-jitsu chap. I think he also spelled jiu-jitsu with a Z, like jitsu. Um, so yeah, maybe Marab versus Hanayaya. <laughs> Fucking A. Sean Sheehan is so funny. If you guys don't follow Sean Sheehan, you should. Um, and now let's move on to the Twitter forum. First question is from the homie Joe Bloggs at JoeBloggs74. It's me from over the sea. Um, he says, do you think everyone will stop the bullshit that a card that doesn't look good on paper will be a shit card before the card's even started? Because I love any fighting, period. You know what, Joe? That's the fucking energy I'm bringing. Hell yeah. And you know what? To answer your question, no. Because there, there are always going to be assholes that want to fucking, they think it's cool to like talk down on something. The same fucking assholes that make a post of like, oh, oh, who's hotter, Laura, Laura Senko versus Megan O'Levy. Um, there's still those same cucks that are going to want to fucking talk about about a card before it even happens. You know, there are still those people that are like, you know, not grateful that we're even getting fights in the midst of a global health crisis. So, yeah, this pandemic has really showed me people's true colors. So I don't think we're, we're going to be getting that at all, <laughs> to be honest with you, Joe. And he also asks, are you enjoying Molly's podcast and YouTube channel? Hell yeah. I talked about this earlier. You guys got to fucking check it out. Meatball Molly, like I said, friend of the show. Um, I say that because she follows me. I don't think she listens. If she does, shout out to Molly. I fucking love you. Have me on your fucking podcast. Uh, I'll do a fake scouse dialect. No, people will hate that actually. But um, she opened up her, uh, her first episode was with Chris fucking Cyborg. And uh, honestly, she was so cute. She was like, you're a fucking great girl. You're a fucking great person. Uh, I, lo I love your style. And uh, it was just so cute. And then she did another one with uh, Tasha Jonas, who apparently is like um, the first like British female boxer or something like that. Maybe female boxer, like to make it in the Olympics. Something like that. They talked about a lot of it on the um, on the podcast. Loved it. Love uh, um, um, two scousers going at it. And uh, then she had um, her, her most recent episode was with this woman I, I mentioned earlier, who's like a Welsh BJJ comp com competitor and uh, can't get enough. Can't get enough of that. And she ends every episode. Like if you guys listen to Come Out Sports with Rhino, um, when he does 10 rounds with Rhino, he always opens it by saying, uh, how do you got into MMA? And he always ends it with like a weird question. When I say weird, like out of the box, outside the box. Molly always ends up by saying, what's a quote you like to live by? Me coach always said, talent, hard, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Something like that. And um, 
And so I always love when she fucking asks them that because um, it's interesting to see what quotes fighters live by. Uh, brilliant. Brilliant. Can't say enough good things about coffee with a chance of meatballs. Um, I love the name. I love, I love coffee. I love meatball molly. It's perfect. Um, Joe also says, what do you think about Agapova? I was impressed with her skills. She excites me for her future. And yeah, dude, I talked, I talked about this at the beginning. I'm going to be a little bit hesitant to be on the bandwagon just because I love Hannah Cyphers. And, um, I, uh, I hate the, uh, like bandwagon jumping on MMA Twitter that happens when everyone has a like a good performance. Um, and there's also the people that are like, I watch her old fights too. You know what I mean? So I'm just going to, I'm just going to be slow, a little bit slow with it. She called out G. By that I mean Shayna Dobson. Uh, I tagged G. I was like, "You, you trying to fight? You trying to fight Marina Agapova, Maria Agapova?" But um, she was like, "Shayna Dobson, stop running!" Uh, I thought that was great, um, and, I, and I look forward to that fight if they make that happen. I still wish we got um, Meepaw Molly versus Shayna Dobson, because fucking Shayna Dobson on Twitter was like, "I got Baltimore, I got Jamaica." as far as like people that are behind her, cause she's Jamaican and from Baltimore or something like that. And I think she might've even listed someone else. Like she trains in Texas or whatever. She was like, I got to and fucking meatball was like, bring Jamaica, bring Baltimore. All I need is fucking Liverpool. And I was like, yeah, dude, even though I'm fucking from the U S yeah, I wanted to fucking lose his fuck to meatball Molly. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I have a weird energy for this podcast. If you couldn't tell, which is not really different from any other episode. Um, this next one isn't really a question, but, uh, I told my read out from MMA catfish. Um, it says I get why non-celebrities get excited when their tweet makes it on a national broadcast, but I still find putting things on the broadcast annoying as fuck. I have Twitter. I can use it. Um, put that shit out of the way. Hashtag and rant. You know what? To be honest with you, um, it's mixed because like when I first started watching MMA, I didn't have Twitter. And if they did that, um, uh, if they did that, I would appreciate it because it, it would be like inside that I wouldn't otherwise see. And so I got to feel like if I was like that in the beginning, there's got to be other people like that. Uh, and also, um, I heard Mac Malley tweet once that he, he said that he actually started his, um, Twitter account because they were putting tweets on the broadcast and he wanted his to go on there. And, uh, honestly, if that didn't exist, we wouldn't have one of the greatest MMA Twitter accounts, uh, out there so yeah i'm for it um and also i've I've just come to the i've come to the realization that maya's never get on there but i never want to like um take that away from anyone else like uh, shannon was really excited kaposa was excited fucking kairos was on there big up to kairos so it's it's good seeing the homies on there i love it i love everything about it um i hate when they fucking put like here's the thing like when you said the non-celebrities i hate when they put the like the non-celebrities uh or I, sorry, the, the, not the non-celebrities, the actual celebrities, the non-fighter celebrities is what I was going to say, because it's just like, wow, thank you, Dana. Thank you, UFC. And they're just like, it's like a fucking circle jerk on there. But sometimes the, when they put fighters up there, they have some cool insights, which again, we can see on Twitter, but it's nice to see them without fucking watching the fights or, or without having to turn away from the fights. I mean, like, you know, if you spend too much time on Twitter while you're watching fights, you miss uh, fucking shit that happens during during the rounds. Like that's also why I never trust anyone's Twitter judging when they're when they're saying like, oh, that was obviously ten nine feely or or whatever. I'm like, were you even watching if you were tweeting about it? Fuck off. But you know. Uh, 
Last question is from my main man, Eamon, at Team Flemo 2. He says, is Dana right about fighter pay? If you sell pay-per-view, you make money. That, in my mind, only applies to the main event. What about everyone else? Nobody should be training hard and not getting 50K per fight, in my opinion. Yes, dude. Fucking big Eamon energy right now. And honestly, the even, not every main event gets pay-per-view points. I, it's mostly just champions and people who have cut a deal with like that, that, you know, are like maybe, maybe Alistair Overeem gets pay-per-view points if he's on a pay-per-view, like things like that, you know, happen. I, I think even like some, some former champions still have that depending on if they like them, depending on if they sold well as a champion and some of you not like DJ, uh, Demetrius Johnson never really sold. So he, he, that's why he fought on Fox all the time. He, was, he didn't have that on his deal. He was like, let me not have my pay dependent upon fucking the casual asshole clicking by, especially because uh, a lot of y'all motherfuckers stream these pay-per-views. Uh, so they, they, their pay should not be relying upon uh, pay-per-view money. That's my opinion. Um, I think you're right. Um, the minimum should be 50K. But then Chael, Chael made a good point as well. Like um, I was listening to Chael's podcast where he was basically defending the UFC and their pay structure um, because it comes from a different time. And I thought some of it was so like... Republican of him and uh but also he kind of made some good points he, he he made a good point about like how baseball is wanting to return in the spring or, or sorry in the summer but then they're but they're asking the athletes to take like a, a 30 percent cut uh in pay and he's like you know I think he was said like the, the MLB was like listen we're losing gate which is like 40 percent of our revenue you know just take 30 percent we'll figure out the other 10 we'll we'll eat that and uh they shouldn't have to but then it was like Dana never did that, you know. He's he saved that extra revenue for a rainy day, and I'm like, yeah, but it, did he though? The motherfucker's living it up with this big ass mansion, and he's fucking flying in hookers from Bali or whatever. Like Dana is not saving money for a rainy day. The motherfucker is swimming in it. The motherfucker is swimming in money, and so is WME IMG. So, yeah. Great question, Eamon. Lo- always love seeing your tweets. And that concludes the forum. You know, uh, we need more. Uh, we need more female voices in the forum. I said this. Uh, I say this all the time. You know, uh, the reason why I do the forum is to like check my ego and to make it not about myself and to make sure that other voices get heard. And uh, that was a big part of why I, I had Fernanda on, other than the fact that she's my absolute favorite. Uh, you know, but she just had some great points that needed to be heard from her and not from me. So, like, I want to have more, you know, diverse voices uh, on the forum. And uh, it's a sausage fest up in here. We need more, uh, we need more voices. So, uh, if you're ever wondering about how to submit a question, you can do it literally anyway. People text me questions. Obviously, not all of you have my phone number, and there's a reason for that. <laughs> but what you do have is my Twitter at FWM underscore pod or my Instagram, same handle. Um, there's also email fighting with myself pod at gmail.com and you can download the anchor app and send it in as a voice question, which you, which you know, as a listener makes the question, makes the show better when you hear those. Um, so, so there's that. And even if you can't get the anchor app to work, you can record it on your own and send it uh, to the email fighting with myself pod at gmail.com. I put a time. So, it is what it is, baby. And uh, let's let's now move, look look forward to to next week's fights. Okay, next Saturday, June twentieth, 
We're hitting another fight night. And this one, I don't know what to call it. I'm calling it Fight Night Blades vs. Volkov. That's the headliner. But honestly, looking at it, like they had, I'm on uh, UFC.com slash events, and they usually have the location. Like even like next week, uh, or sorry, the week after that, June 27th, Poirier vs. Hooker, it says UFC Apex, which is uh, great to know that that's going to be in the small cage as well. And, you know, 251, the week after that, it says UFC Fight Island, Abu Dhabi. Like... The uh, locations are listed for all these except for um, August 15th, Miocic versus Cormier. Like, that's uh, doesn't have a location. But why is this one next? And we just have one in the Apex, and then the one after that is in the Apex, and they're not specifying where, where this is. I assume it's in the Apex, but maybe they just have too many damn cards there to not be fucking... Like, I think they should they should go back to numbering the fight nights. They still do... Like, some people keep track of it, but they don't really publicize it. You have to find it uh, otherwise. Like, I think they should they should be calling this one, like, UFC Finite 158 or whatever it is. I think it's more than that by now. But uh, I'd like to know, because eventually they're going to go to the same locations, like, like now. Like, the fact that last night's hashtag was UFC Vegas 2, I'm like, come on, dude. Let's get a fucking better hashtag. Let's get a better name for these events. Um, they should go back to n- naming the events like one still does, I think, or Ryzen or, um, you know, UFC did in the early days, like UFC 177, I think was called stacked or maybe it was 173 and the one was called like redemption. Like they had fucking badass names and, uh, I want to go back to that sort of, some people probably don't like it, but whatever. Fuck those people. Just kidding. Those people are listening right now and I love you. Um, but we got some some cool fights to talk about on the prelims before I get into the main card. Uh, we got, uh, first off, my girl Roxanne Modafferi taking on Laura Murphy. And if you think for one second I'm not going to pick Roxanne, you're out of your mind. Uh, I think Roxanne dominates Lauren. I honestly do. And uh, if anything other than that happens, um, I'm going to fucking deny it. Just kidding. Um, if you guys don't uh, follow Roxanne on Instagram... You haven't seen it. She's been uh, training with her uh, strength and conditioning coach, uh, Lorenzo, in his backyard. She's getting fucking swole AF. She's getting yoked. And uh, she's also training uh, with her Muay Thai coach, AJ. I want to say it's AJ Matthews. That's probably not true. Uh, it's definitely AJ something. Um, she calls it Thug Thai, which I think is honestly so cute. And, uh, dude, I am picking Roxanne against anybody. You heard me here first. No matter who she's fighting, I'm picking Roxanne. So if you hear me announce the fight, you can assume I'm picking Roxanne. Okay? Super excited for this fight. Can't wait. And uh, I'm also excited for Brianna Van Buren versus Tisha Torres. Uh, I think uh, I think Brianna Van Buren takes this one. And I'm actually, you know, a little bit torn on it because I, uh, I, I thought Tisha might actually retire for some reason. Um, she hasn't uh, had the best luck of late. I think she's talked about wanting to do other things, but uh, I enjoy watching Tisha fight, and uh, I just like her relationship with Raquel Pennington, um, and you know Raquel's still fighting, so I think that's really cute. Um, but I do think Brianna Van Buren is another level, and and I want to shout out my boy Rory uh, over at Threadhead Media did a great interview with Brianna Van Buren to uh, open up his show off season or no off season rather, um, which I helped create the name for. I'm big, uh, big on uh, that. Uh, that uh, group Threadhead Media that he he started, so uh, go check him out. And yeah, Brianna Van Buren, it's gonna smoke Tisha Torres. You heard it here first. 
Opening up the main card, though, we got Jim Miller taking on Roosevelt Roberts. Uh, this is a tough one. Roosevelt Roberts did look good against Brock Weaver, but I think Jim Miller takes this one. And honestly, like, Roosevelt's best uh, weapon is his jiu-jitsu, and I don't see him beating Jim Miller in that area. Jim Miller is a legit black belt, and uh, I don't think he's going to be able to get submitted. I mean, yeah, Jim Miller has been submitted by uh, other grapplers before, you know, Michael Chiesa, uh, most recently, uh, Charles Oliveira, but I honestly think Jim Miller, you know, is going to do New Jersey proud on this one. Shouts to Sparta, New Jersey, wherever that is. And uh, um, uh, next fight is Bilal Muhammad versus Lyman Good. And this was honestly really tough for me to pick. Uh, I really like Bilal, but sometimes Lyman Good gets in there, and I think he's fucking scary good. Like, he just has a ton of power. He looks huge for that division, and Bilal is kind of a smaller welterweight. But uh, I like Bilal's chances in this a lot, and if I'm if I'm correct, I think this is taking place during Ramadan, and Bilal is undefeated during Ramadan. That's not entirely true. I think he fought Alan Joban during Ramadan in his debut, and that didn't go his way. But Ramadan Bilal is like fucking sea level cane. It's like a whole nother ball game. It's like fickle juice. It's like fucking upstanding citizen goon. There's just certain Certain people that are like a different level, you know what I mean? So, uh, shouts to the Turbo team. But uh, Bilal, I like in this one, and uh, I'm sticking with it. Speaking of uh, Raquel Pennington, I mentioned earlier, she's fighting Mary and Renault, and this is hard for me to pick. Like I said, I, I like their relationship between Tisha and Raquel. Um, actually, see, the, and this was part of what went into my pick. I think depending on how Tisha's fight goes, is going to affect Raquel's performance. And uh, if it doesn't go Tisha's way, like I don't think it will, I think uh, that's going to affect her mental. And with that said, Marion Rhino did a great interview uh, with Combat Sports with Rhino and uh, made me be even more of a fan of her. So fuck yeah, we're picking Marion Rhino on this, and I'm not fielding questions about that. So how about that? I think Marion Rhino submits her off her back. Raquel Pena is going to fucking try and get some ground and pound off, and uh, it's going to wind up in a triangle. Boom! If that happens, I want credit. I want to be fucking Juiced Damas. You know what I mean? <laughs> and this co-main event is pretty damn good. I gotta say, Josh Emmett versus Shane Burgos. Whoo! That's like featherweight violence white title right there. Um, I'm going with Josh Emmett, but it's really close. Um, I think this is going to be a late stoppage. I think it's going to be similar to Josh Emmett versus Michael Johnson. Um, although Michael Johnson was kind of winning that fight until he'll, Josh Emmett knocked him out. Uh, I think it's going to be back and forth, but I think it's going to be a late stoppage where you're, uh, you know, it's like lots of momentum swings, lots of fucking actually maybe similar to like Josh Emmett versus, uh, Jeremy Stevens, but with a different result, obviously. And with like, uh, like longer, because I think that one ended in the second round. I think this is going to go late into the third. And I think Josh Hammond's going to stop him. So, uh, love this fight. And I, and I can't wait. I could be wrong. You know, Shane Burgos is tough as hell and very talented. Um, he had a nice, like, he had a nasty armbar finish in one of his recent fights, like within the last year or so. That made me be like, who damn. But uh, Josh Emmett's got the alpha male wrestling, and I think that's not going to be a factor in this. Uh, speaking of where wrestling will be a factor, I think that is going to come into play in the main event. Curtis Blades versus Alexander Volkov is uh, actually kind of a hard fight to pick, in my opinion. Um, 
And I've, I've gone on the record before, I've been a little bit slow to get on the Curtis Blades hype train because uh, his early UFC fights, if I'm being really honest, were not good. Um, when he fought, I think it was Alan Crowder, he just like laid on him and broke the guy's leg. And they, the the commentators were talking about, this is when Brian Stanton was still commentating, and they're talking about how he was like um, just training at a UFC gym. Uh, not even with like a real gym at that point. And I was like, okay, Curtis Blades, okay. Um, and then I, I was at UFC 213 live with my boy Leo, my wife, and uh, Leo's girl. And uh, we watched Curtis Blade fight. I want to say it was like Daniel Omielanchuk, maybe Jarvis Danho, one of those fucks. And it was boring as shit. And he got booed. And he was surprised that he got booed. And honestly... I'm not a booer. I wasn't one of those ones booing. But if you were surprised at why you were getting booing, you need to rethink your fucking life. And then he started to take it up. He next fought at 217, which I was also at, and he fucking beat the piss out of Alexi Olenek. And that was a great fight. And then he's starting to like get more momentum. And so I think uh, now that Curtis Blades is like has his momentum going, uh, honestly, anyone not named Francis Ngannou, he beats. And Alexander Volkov, I was I was really high on until he fucking got knocked out by Derek Lewis and then got busted for some PEDs, allegedly, and should have finished Greg Hardy. And I'm not, I still haven't forgiven him for that. He should have finished Greg Hardy and instead he played it safe. And uh, you know what? That's what you get. So I uh, hope Curtis Blades, Russell fucks you into the cage and uh, gets one of those nasty stoppages like he got against Overeem with the elbows. And if that happens, again, one credit for it. So that's the show. We did it. We made it again. Thank you for anyone who stuck around and is listening by at this point. I know some of you guys just listened for the forum. Um, people that are listening to this and hear me say that are probably like, what, people only listen for one segment and they skip everything else? It happens. Trust me. But uh, much love to everybody. Seriously, anyone that supports me, I support you. I love you. I love your family. <laughs> And uh, be be kinder to each other, man. It's a it's a shitty time out there. And uh, like I said, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be fucking full ass full ass social justice warrior on Twitter while we got this whole Black Lives Matter thing going on. And if that bothers you, mute me, block me, whatever the fuck. Uh, I'm still gonna be talking about it because we need to stand out against racial injustice and pr- police brutality. It's fucking rampant right now. So. That said, uh, you can follow me again on Twitter and Instagram, FWM underscore pod. I'm available uh, almost anywhere podcasts are heard, except YouTube because I'm not an influencer and SoundCloud be- and not SoundCloud because I'm not uh, uh, an up-and-coming rapper. T-Cross is on SoundCloud and he's probably listening like, hey, motherfucker, I'm not an up-and-coming rapper either. Actually, shout out to T-Cross because that fucking amazing episode uh, with the Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt, who is a cop or a former cop anyway, was a great, great episode. And uh, he's going to have Dr. Joe, the Libertarian candidate, on his next episode. And I can't wait for that. So go listen to Tea Time or Tea Cross right now. And other than that, good night and good fights.